All right, we're rolling in three, two, one. Movie time. Movie time. time. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Movie Time Extra, the show where we talk about movies with a little something extra. I'm your producer, your co-host, your big mean minotaur. My name is Dashiell Marco. Hi everyone, I am Jeff Burke. I am bizarre author, podcaster, performance artist, cat caregiver, and I am here and psyched to be here to discuss one of my absolute very favorite movies. And I'm your amateur thematic analyst, genderless gremlin, and labyrinthine libertine. (laughs) My name is Tyler Duncan. Today we are watching 2017's Dave Made a Maze. Written by Stephen Sears and Bill Watterson. Directed by Bill Watterson. If you enjoy our show, please be sure to rate, review, subscribe to it. Dang. This one. Tell a friend about our show. And if you'd like, you can send us an email at movietimeextra at gmail.com. Tell us what you think's a little extra. Suggest a movie. Do all that good, good things that we like. Now, our banging theme song is by the amazing DJ Cutman. Check Cutman out on Bandcamp for solid bangers and bops. We love you, Cutman. Yo, DJ Cutman. Love you, dog. Yeah. As always, there will be spoilers in this show. And if you don't like it, I doubt you will survive the labyrinth. Right. Cool. So, uh, welcome, Jeff, to the show. Thanks for being on, of course. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for inviting me. I'm, yeah. I'm excited to be here, though. Um, I, I do feel I need to uh, start things off by giving you two some shit on one of your previous episodes. All right. All right. I feel very attacked right now. I listened to the Godzilla versus Kong episode, and you mm-hmm. two had so many questions about the plot points, which were explained in the previous movies. God- Godzilla <laughs> nope. versus Kong was the fourth part of a four-movie series, and we you know. jumped in at the end. That yep. hand, it was King Ghidorah. Do you people not know who King Ghidorah is? Don't care. <laughs> You're talking to a male with a Godzilla tattoo. Like, this is... I find this unacceptable. You're talking to a bitch that don't give a shit. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> knew that episode was going to was gonna tick off some Godzilla nerds, and yeah. I'm okay with it, too. But yeah. you are- I was listening to it, and I'm like, these two, they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> you know, I love, and I love kaiju movies. Um, I just haven't been into the recent ones, unfortunately. Uh, and I got way more into the history and, like, the, the cultural, uh, like, analysis mm-hmm. of the kaiju stuff. Um, and that was what I was really wanting to go for, but I did, I wanted to watch the rest of the movies. I really did like the first three, but I don't, they're I don't stupid, but they're awesome. They're stupid, but they're we awesome. We had so much fun in the last one too. Yeah. I didn't need to know anything. <laughs> I was living my best life in that movie theater. I just had to be like, when I was listening to you all, like where the head come from? I'm like, it's goddamn King Ghidorah. No, and that's fair. Like, uh, I, I mean, in our defense, for an authentic, from an authenticity standpoint, probably every other podcast that's talked about that movie knows everything they're supposed to know. So maybe not knowing shit. That's true. That's gives true. Us a Providing an alternate perspective. <laughs> um. Yeah. This movie. Okay. So I learned about this movie from. I believe just from a Facebook post you made. I don't know if you remember how we met. Um. But I do. 
Um, I do not. Okay, yes. Excellent. You'll like this. Uh, We met at, I think, a Mad Conductor show at Slabtown. Oh, shit. Yeah. Very, very many years ago. And then uh, we hung out because we're ska punk fans uh, at uh, Night Gaunts at the Lovecraft. I I booked that show. Yeah, that's awesome. And they, yeah, they dedicated that stupid, stupid henchman song to me. Uh, you were the guy. That, oh, that's right. You go. You're the guy who requested stupid, stupid henchman there. Fuck yeah. Yeah. So, anyone that does. Oh wait, is it okay if I swear on this show? Yeah, yes. Of course. Oh, we, thank fuck, Christ, fuck because, yeah. Because otherwise, this is gonna be rough for me. But no, we are garbage babies and garbage fans. <laughs> yeah. I have been on some things that's asked me not to curse, and it's been very, very difficult. It's difficult. Um, but yes. Oh yeah. Fuck yeah. Night guns, stupid, stupid henchman. Mad conductor. You got good taste in music, I must say. Fuck yeah. Oh yeah. I wanted to get that out of the way because I know you know a lot of people and it's been a long time since we've seen each other. So yes. But yeah, this movie is fucking great. Oh, and you're fucking I just I think I got mother off of your uh blog too. And oh, like, yeah, you have sweet. great taste. So I'm thank you. Thank yeah, you. I adored mother. I listened to your we, mother episode as well. We really so, liked mother. Yeah. So okay. Oh, yeah. We always go in pretty dry with these things, especially over Zoom. Like, so I I've seen this movie like three or four times i tried to rewatch it like this week like twice and i fell asleep both times <laughs> but i tried and i remember what happened it played while i was asleep twice um jeff i assume you've seen this movie a couple times oh geez i probably have seen this movie around a dozen times it's one of my go-to movies when like i hang out with people and like i'm a big super movie nerd really into just all sorts of shit and uh, like when I hang out with people and they're like, uh, show me a movie that uh, I've never seen before. I've never heard of before. It's a good Maze one. The Maze is one of the first ones I go to. Like yeah. the last time I watched it with somebody was before all the pandemic shit started and everything shutting down and, you know, can't really hang out with people. Uh, author Kevin L. Donahue was uh, crashing with me for the, um, what's it, the 2019 wonderland awards it was at the very end of 2019 right before all the pandemic stuff and mm. he was like oh i want to watch a movie uh show me something i haven't seen i was like have you seen dave made a maze and he's like i've never even heard of that jeff i'm like ah i got something for you sweet and like i, I watched this i watched the movie in prep for this show we watched it again just to make sure it's fresh in my head i also watched it with the director's commentary in prep for the show cool and I have praised this movie online so much. I saw it like when it first came out on VOD that I've actually have received a thank you email from the director himself. Perfect. Thank nice. you for talking about it so much online. Okay, so I so I would kind of like to give like a super brief synopsis of it, and then I, Tyler just saw this movie for the first time, so I would kind of like to get Tyler's oh, so initial curious. thoughts, and then and mm-hmm. then we'll dive into it if that sounds good. Yeah. Okay. Um. So for anyone who hasn't seen this movie. Briefest uh, synopsis I can do is uh, Dave uh, and his girlfriend. What's her name? Annie. Annie. Yes. She, yeah, she has been on vacation. He builds a cardboard uh, uh, fort in their apartment uh, living room. Um, she gets back to find this. He's, uh, you know, inside and she thinks he's playing around doing one of his bits. Um, she invites his best friend over to try to coax him out. It leads to a few of their friends and like a very meta foe or like a very meta like film crew being there as well. Um, eventually they go in to find him and find out that it's much bigger on the inside. They have to run the gauntlet through this maze. People die. Confetti explodes from their their wounds, etc. 
uh, it's amazing. That's like they go in to save Dave. They eventually find him and bring him out. That's the whole movie. Or, or they 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 end up destroying the heart of the maze that they had to make and help him finish. And those are themes that I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, and then, but then the maze collapses in on them, and they have to take all the cardboard out to the recycling. So that's the whole movie. If you haven't seen it, on what? All right, let let let's dig into this. So, like, what did you think, Tyler? I love it. <laughs> Excellent. I, I wonder why. Too real bad. I didn't totally love it. That's okay. But That's surprising. Like, like, why is that? Okay. Uh, I'm okay with a movie having like an unsympathetic protagonist, but in this case, uh, Dave just did not seem to be getting it in a way that was pissing me off um and (laughs) i really loved the art direction the art direction is exquisite um it's a it's an origami fever dream i'm real into it um but the symbolism isn't quite there for me it doesn't hit the way i wanted it to but from what i can tell you know, this is a movie about, you know, adulthood is scary and hard. And sometimes you just want to do something that leaves a mark on the world, even if it means that you lose everything in that process. Um, and, you know, that the quote um, that the filmmaker character, whose name I am blanking on, which is not usually me, uh, uh, but uh, he says you have if you know, you you have to you you never fail if you never finish anything. Like you know that's that was very interesting to me. But yeah, it was just it, it was so over the top. It's and very extra time, yeah, which is great. That's what we do here. Uh, that's that's our brand. But at the same time, like there wasn't. I felt like there wasn't enough like meat on its bones along with the over the topness to like almost justify it. And once again, I am using air quotes in a notoriously audio medium, but <laughs> justified is in quotes. That is how I felt about it. Okay. Real now quick, convince me. The, the convince filmmaker me. is Harry, who's played by James Urban. Harry. Urban. Urban Bank, Urban Bank. I'm I'm terrible at pronunciation, but he's the voice of Rusty Venture on the Venture Brothers. What? That's oh awesome. hell yeah! Just I, fun fact there. Just a fun fact. No, I love that, and he was one of my favorite yeah. characters in this movie. Like he kind of comes great. off as this, like at the very beginning, comes up as this like airhead who wants to, you know, uh, capitalize on this situation that's going on but i think he really asks a lot of the deeper questions that get asked in this movie like when he's like talk like trying to start interviewing annie as she's like freaking out as she realizes the things in the maze are real and she is trying to parse the weight of them out and he's like what are you gonna do annie like what are you gonna do this is like this is your guy like and shit like that uh so i and i really liked the meta aspect of the film crew making a documentary about what was happening, like probably my favorite part of the movie. And the film crew is also just hysterical. Then they 
they between the two characters the boom mic operator and the cam guy they between the two of them there's only one line and it's a quote from raging bull that is a odd running joke through the movie mm-hmm. but but tyler I, I totally understand why uh, a lot of those aspects didn't ap- appeal to you it is kind of about a pathetic man child um and he is really not a sympathetic sympathetic character at all that never bothers me in movies though and um it typically like, doesn't for me either yeah i'm sorry typically doesn't for me either yeah um and also a big thing for me about this movie is as somebody that has been involved with oh, god damn like literally hundreds of creative projects over the past 15 years something like that um the whole metaphor of the maze as like a metaphor for when you make something creative and the entire movie from that as a metaphor for what it's like to create something just hits me so fucking hardcore as a as a creator myself and just like all the things they say about the maze and how the maze gets out of control and how it gets lost in it and like there's there's like a whole fucking point about uh uh when they're harassing him about that he never finishes anything and there's this whole speech and the speech just fucking hit me in the fucking core the last time when i was rewatching it this week because i have a book that i've been like working on for i have my next novel that i've been working on for two years now and it's like god damn it this movie is just like it's, it's just like calling me out during it <laughs> and and as someone that's also been like in a long-term relationship uh as a creator um like there's aspects of about that that gets very frustrating and i thought Mm -hmm. this movie did a really good job at giving the voice of like some of those more like insecure feelings about some of the struggles one goes through being an independent artist and it does it kind of better than i feel any other movie i've ever seen um, this is one of my absolute favorite movies I've ever seen about the creative process. And I kind of like lose myself in the movie in terms of like, I kind of stop whenever I'm watching this, I kind of stop thinking about the actual plot line and the concept of, in terms of like how these, all these characters are directly interacting with each other and more of a series of vignettes about all these very deeply personal feelings about the creative process. I think that's apt like I I guess I'll weigh in on just like I think this is a really enjoyable movie um especially the first time I watched it I was I I was really blown away the more I watch it the more I want to kind of pick it apart but like I I feel like this movie like does a special kind of magic in its own way that I really appreciate like I think what Tyler said you know about Dave's faults are like 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 totally spot on and why it's like hard to sympathize with him at points but like it 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 is reflected so well in the environment and the environment kind of explicitly being told to you that it is you know growing and building based on his subconscious like i think it makes this like really intricately multi-layered um setting that like it, it resonates in its own way that I don't think any other movie has ever like 
made something that kind of uh just ambitious but like simple at the same time and and we'll talk about it in a minute but for anyone who hasn't seen this movie it is it's made of cardboard like half of it is made of cardboard Mm -hmm. and it's beautiful like it is something else so maybe that's why i didn't like it is because i i do see myself and dave a little bit um (laughs) i have the whole you know um gifted child with adhd perfectionism complex um and I've had to, luckily, uh, college in my late 20s <laughs> burned that right out of me. Also, my heart burned my heart out of me, too. But, you know, yeah, like it was like, look, this is a B plus paper and that's happening because C's get degrees from doing this, um, you know, that kind of thing. <clears throat> but there is still a part of me where, you know, I've been working on an album for a year that, you know, I'm still like tweaking and retooling and oh do I want that to be a major or minor for maybe and so it's like I still have it you know to this day um and so I do I do get like Dave you know on on a on a level that maybe made me uncomfortable because it made (laughs) me look at my soul um, and also, like, I just want to point out, like, this movie is also just unapologetically weird, and mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't even try to make any sort of coherent, linear sense. It's all a movie that you have to feel and interpret, and I kind of, like, we compare it in many ways to things by, like, Hodorowski or David Lynch, but instead of being very serious, this movie in sense kind of chooses to just go absurd over the top and very firmly tongue in cheek of like, yeah, we know we know what we're doing. Um, like with the show, you've, you've previously discussed Mother and like I can kind of compare this to Mother in just how both films are unapologetic about th- there's this movie is its own reality. Um, like we're not trying to create a coherent universe we're trying to create a work of art and normally when people try to create works of art it's to make a it's to be very serious to be very artistic and I think like everyone involved in this movie took it very serious but they didn't even try to make a serious movie and that's one of the things that makes me so smitten by it is like you're kind of doing high art here and you're choosing to laugh, laugh about it. And that's to me something I don't really see that often. Totally. Um, again, I think what you said before about it sort of being a series of vignettes, like I didn't really look at it that way until right now, but it kind of makes sense. Cause like each of the scenes definitely is trying to evoke different mm-hmm. like thoughts from you. Like I, and I really like the setup of this movie. I think it's really cute. I thought the 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 houseless person, you know, was a little bit unnecessary. It was probably like my least kind of favorite extra character, although he provides some yeah. like outside perspective and comedic relief, which I get. Oh, I constantly um, forget that character is in the movie until I rewatch it. It is something I feel like that the movie could just lose that character and nothing would be lost at all. I constantly yeah. forget he's he, he is in the movie. Yeah, really yeah. unnecessary to like joke about homelessness, <laughs> but at the same time, even, like, yeah. even like it's an also an odd yeah. thing because like it, it it's supposed to be anything. a uh, I believe he's credited as a bum. Is that correct? No, hobo. Yeah. Hobo is the official uh, criteria. However, the character does not look like a hobo, 
And literally all they are doing is going through the same sets that all the main characters did, except a couple scenes later, and we just get a quick shot. And then it just all builds up to of uh, with the um, the film crew of like, oh, I have an answer for that question. And then he gets killed by the Minotaur. Yeah, totally. And it's like, really pointless. I, that is like, I totally agree with that. Yeah, and no, it was just, I mean, I was just going to say kind of my only real knock or like part of the film that really doesn't resonate with me is like, well, kind of that thread. And then just like when everyone's first entering the maze, like whichever group it is, like when the first group first enters, it's like really magical for a second. Yeah. But then it it gets really, really weird at some point in there for me, like where, you know, the one character's. Uh, I don't remember her name. She's like one of the first people to die, but she's like very overly bubbly and just like super, you know, like you can tell, like, you know, something's going to happen to her. She's looking before she leaps and like, and I guess what I'm trying to understand is like, why, what, like, what is that a met? Is that a met? Like it, it are are the people dying like a metaphor for something like are those like just relationships that he's burned along the way because of how into his art he is or like whatever it was like the death in the movie was the part that i don't really get that well (laughs) okay so (laughs) i also kind of agree with you that on that but i also have a take on that and we are front-loading this discussion with like criticisms (laughs) It's good to get them out of the way. You're kind of bringing up the two that I very much kind of agree with. And what I I really feel that the statement the movie's trying to make with those deaths is um, exactly what you kind of said, is that these are people that, like, when you're involved in the arts, when you're involved in uh, creating things, attempting to do it very seriously, like, you will lose friends along the way. You will make friends and then lose them. I can say this from personal experience um for a variety of reasons and it's one of the hazards of being in this kind of industry um however in terms of like narrative movie and this kind of like ties back to what i was saying earlier is you kind of have to ignore it in terms of like a traditional narrative structure because the movie ends on a very happy note and everyone's really relieved and really overjoyed and it's like half the people that went in there with you didn't make it out half of your closest friends are now dead wait wait, we're seriously knocking any resolution on that and every time i watch the movie when all the characters are kind of like coming out of the maze and you know they're all buried in cardboard in the apartment floor and they're like they're taking off the cardboard you see piles of other large piles of cardboard around and every time i watch this i expect the cardboard to come off and there's the friends that quote unquote died and it's like nope nope they're dead they're oh, gone. yeah you've got mm. a lot of explaining to the cops to do and this is really, really awkward and this is not gonna look good <laughs> yeah also where are their bodies <laughs> they're they, they turned into cardboard or something yeah, yeah. Which, which is why i think it only really works on a metaphorical level because it also ends with the minotaur coming into the real world which i always interpret as the minotaur being his work of art he's finally created it and how any work of art once it's uh, parted from the creator and released to the audience, it becomes its own beast. Haha, see what Death of the author. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And that's what the Minotaur coming out at the very end of the movie and the Minotaur going on to live its own life is. It's just the death of the author and he has successfully put his work out into the world. I love that interpretation. 
Hey, can you guys explain the drink scene to me? The drink scene? Yes. Where they're at the table and she's having the coffee and then it's the wine Wait, and then there's a candle oh, between them. Oh my God. What? That's one of my favorite fucking what? scenes in the movie. It oh, was really pretty. That. And Nick Thune and the, 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 young, the young woman who plays Annie, they, they worked really well together. They're great actors. Oh, they're so, so, they're so good. But I was like, I was like, I'm enthralled by this, but I don't know what's happening. Can uh, I take just like a quick shot real quick before? Because I'm sure you can explain this better than I can, Jeff, or because I don't even know. I'm just trying to remember. Oh yeah, I feel like Jeff, yeah. This, yeah, like, okay, this give like that scene gave me like real uh, House of Leaves vibes. Have you, you've both read House of Leaves? I no, always but pitch- I've heard. I fucking adore House of Leaves. I've read it multiple times. I always pitch um, Dave Made a Maze as essentially a comic, a comedic reworking of House of Leaves. Yeah, so that was like his like inner most like being, I guess. And it was trying to like make it so like 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 that was like the end of the the maze and house or the, the end of the darkness in house of leaves when it all gets very close in on him and i i don't know what it means or whatever like so please explain it but that i was just trying to get across like that that reminded me of that uh very weird part of in house of leaves where ever like he's in complete darkness and then everything just like compresses on him um i really want to get back to that the house of leaves uh uh comparison but but just quick address that scene how i really took it was um at that point the maze i.e dave's creation is kind of sucking them both in as they're trying to regain control and we're seeing them across from each other uh in various states of dress which they keep tearing off to go back to their true selves and with something in between them a finite resource in between them and we see them going back and forth between um essentially well i mean like literally costumes it's a movie and the things they're wearing aren't actual clothing it's paper cardboard versions of costumes they keep tearing off and it's going back and forth between I'd argue what they both view as the insecurities in their relationships and the insecurities they project upon each other due to the nature that we see like scenarios where each of them is wealthier than the other is depicted by their clothing and how they each fear it would impact their relationship. And, you know, being like, I spent over a decade um, only getting my finances from uh creative projects and one of the things that's frustrating about that in this doing that is your income you, you have some pretty good highs and you got some pretty low lows mm-hmm. and like with my partner i'm currently with we've been in a uh, we're in a long-term relationship there were periods of times i was making way more money than her it's periods of times that she was making way more money than me and having that constant fluctuation on a very personal level can be like you know can in- induce insecurities can induce stresses and i felt that that scene we were watching them both go through those from both of their perspectives and also projecting onto each other what they feared the other would say. And they kept tearing off those uh, those costumes to go back to their true selves, which is where they really related with each other, which then directly leads into them, you know, tearing at like the, like the heart of the maze. It's like I said, once again, it's like very symbolic. Yeah. 
So what, yeah. what was what was the deal with like the heart the heart and like the well it, it was it a chrysalis or was like the chrysalis a different thing? I'm sorry, chrysalis. Did, he doesn't use that that word in this movie. Am I tripping? Yeah, they use the word chrysalis. Oh, I'm, oh no, I'm, just, I'm sorry. Just remind me what um, a chrysalis is or was. I'm sorry. Chrysalis, I'm just what that is right now. A chrysalis is what a um, a caterpillar um, like wraps itself up in. It's a cocoon. It's another word, a fancier word for cocoon. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. No, I, I just believe that like, all that stuff with like the heart and the chrysalis is just like uh, finishing the creation so it can go out on its own into the world, which we see at the very end of the movie is the Minotaur going off and hanging out at bars and having fun with people. Yeah. I was and just, I did, Oh, sorry. Oh, I was, I was going to say, I really enjoyed that they kind of subverted that trope of like, of like, like, like traditional narrative structure of like, well, we have to find the heart and destroy it. You know, that's such a like sci-fi fantasy trope. And then they were like, he's like, and then they have to do it and then destroy it i, I really to, enjoyed that we have to make the heart which yeah, yeah I, th- I think yeah. that's just such like a fun thing and it's like a yeah. really uh narrative subversion in general though yeah. just, mm, I, I was it. just trying to remember did he need the chrysalis to make the heart or did the chrysalis like become the heart after they like did the right thing or i, the, I just can't remember them using those terms was it, it's it's all the same thing Oh, okay. It's the, gotcha. the chrysalis is the heart is, you know, it was them like, like using synonyms with each other to be funny. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. They just need to, they just need to make it. And that way they had something to destroy, which I view is him finishing his creative project. Um, and like one of the things is like tearing it out. Um, tearing it apart before it gets released into the world, which is someone that's been highly involved on the editorial stages of projects, both receiving and giving. That is very much part of the creative project right before your work is about to be seen to the world. Is it getting torn to fucking pieces with parts of it being left on your apartment floor? Yeah, I can understand that. It's like every, you know, as a musician, you know, I'll have so many song ideas like every single day, every time I play an instrument. And they all are just like, they're fucking garbage in my brain, like that I threw on my brain floor because I never bothered to like <laughs> make them into something cohesive. But all that destruction is was required for creation. Like the, the, um, the, the soil has to be turned before the seeds can be planted, which involves destruction of what was there before. Oh, totally. Yeah. I used to commit to ideas too easily, I think. And now I'm more picky, you know, about what I really want to like build or finish, you know, in general. Yes. You know, what's something interesting that I have found over the years, because I came to actually playing guitar and writing songs kind of late in the game. I was like 15, 16 when I really started playing. And now I will like write a whole song and I'm like, I don't really like this, but I got it out of my fucking gourd and it's, <laughs> it's out now and it can stop bothering me. That's part but, of the creative process. Yes. But then, then I will be working on a different song that I really like. And a portion of that other song that I <clears throat> am not that into is like, Oh, let's control X control V <laughs> on into this other song. And it's like, okay. Okay, not not even some of your garbage ends up 
being like gold in these little, these little nuggets that come out. Yeah. Yeah. Being creative is uh, fun. Also torture, but fun torture. Ah, and that's my argument for why this movie is so great. As you said, it's being creative is fun and torture, but fun torture. And does that mm-hmm. not so accurately describe what this movie is depicting its overall tone? I think you're right. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, it's hard to disagree. The, and on a technical side too because we haven't really talked about it all that much like this movie has some really fun scenes like the uh the, the 2d scene yes. when they're in the, the the one room and it's very i want to say peewee's playhouse but that's probably not the best thing but there's like a lot oh of God. play with like it's, the size uh, and the scope force the force mm-hmm. perspective scene yeah and, and that's what it is like yeah it, it's it's really like a minute long sequence that in all honesty could be cut because it doesn't actually um propel anything forward but oh my god it's one of my favorite scenes in yeah. the movie it's some relief moments in the movie of all these characters coming in the room and it looks like there's a table with cuts cups placed on them and we then learn as more characters come in and interact with things is that all the things are actually different sizes and different parts of the room and it's actually this really bizarre forced perspective effect which um i have the uh, blu-ray of dave made a maze which has a behind the scenes uh featurette and that it shows that scene as it was being filmed from other angles cool. how the crew were seeing it and like that was fucking awesome seeing that little glimpse into how everything looked to anyone's if you're not at the absolute perfect angle which the camera was it looks like nonsense. It just looks dumb, silly, stupid. And that one perfect angle, oh my God, is an amazing optical effect. And yeah. almost everything in the movie was done practical in camera. Almost everything. Yeah, I, I have to see how they filmed this movie. I mean, like that, I, I think that scene does, I mean, for me at least, it, it's a nice little break from the, the, the the tense that the movie is trying to elicit in you as they're running they're like oh they find this safe place and they can they're interacting with each other and having a moment of reprieve together but they're doing this together while they're all interpreting it from a different perspective and so it's like a shared shared moment of relief but they're all on different you know like pages of the book or whatever this is weird little it, it's like weird it's weirdly comedic uh very almost like stage show-esque and um and like i'm sorry i mean like very like theatrical in how they're it's not like a movie and then the scene Mm -hmm. ends with dave running into the room stopping looking at everyone and saying what are you guys doing which he doesn't see it a a hilarious joke because it also points out the viewer like wait what were we watching these people do (laughs) Although the viewer is enjoying it because it's like a visual treat, but then Dave's just the buzzkill because he's not appreciating his own creation, which is something it, that artists really do fall Ooh. into a trap about. And, and this movie, I do want to point out, like uh, as you said, we haven't really talked about how visually amazing it is in that all the sets are actually built out of cardboard. It's all uh, almost 100% in-camera practical effects. The only things is like a few... Um, very basic, like mirror, um, mirror, almost stage magic tricks, and some very basic, uh, 
erasing wires things at point mm-hmm. but this movie actually fucking makes me jealous and <laughs> i think that's one of the things that makes this movie so fucking brilliant it is one of the most visually interesting things i have ever seen in the movie and literally anyone could have made this any one of us could have made this fucking movie but we didn't and they <laughs> did and they went fucking all out with things that any one of us have access to and they they made this absolutely stunning, totally original visual-wise. Like, I cannot visually compare it to any other movie. I can compare it to other filmmakers who are as unique in their visions. But this is something that, like, I mean, it wouldn't have looked as nice, but any one of us could have filmed this in the basement. If we actually just had the dedicated time and creativity and willing to do it, any, any one of us could have made it. But these people actually did make it. And for the record, the entire movie was filmed on one rented soundstage over the course of six weeks. Wow. Good job, Holy guys. Shit. A movie in six weeks, an hour and 20 movie in six weeks. That's great. I loved the, uh, speaking of the practical effects, the paper bag puppets. Mm. Oh, God, so they're so funny. Good. They're really so cute. Good. I could tell. Okay, so I used to live with a clown and puppeteer. Uh, my, my good friend Summer is an amazingly talented human being. And I lived We're with her for about a year and a half. all live with clowns. Uh, yeah, like, <laughs> but mine got paid to do it. I, I meant you know? that as well. Yeah. <laughs> and so I've seen her make puppets, like, and, and they're beautiful. So knowing the detail that 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 those paper bag puppets had of like i knew who each character was because they were so well designed like they look they made each paper bag look like the human being they were portraying and i just like chef's kiss yes very very detail oriented in this film like i said it's it's visually stunning yeah, I, I've never seen anything like this on this low of a budget. Um, I, 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 and I mean, if anyone else has, please fucking let me know because I want to see it. Like, there's very visually creative movies on a low budget, but they completely remake reality in yeah. this movie. Just using yeah. literal shit and literal shit they pulled out of trash cans. And this is not a joke. They show, they have video footage of it um, each day with the set designers, um, part of their process beginning each day was going dumpster diving at old navy because old navy apparently had a lot of boxes and they were just stealing boxes from old navy from their dumpsters (laughs) at the beginning of every day making sets yeah so on that like i'm i'm really interested in this and i do intend on learning a little bit more about it um i was going to ask you because like i was trying to find the budget of this film like um i couldn't find it so i'm wondering like so so here's what i'm not either i I was searching myself i cannot find anything about the budget anywhere i have no idea what the budget was yeah so i'm hoping that maybe we can learn more about it as like i think it just went on like amazon prime or something like hopefully Uh, they're yeah like hopefully they're making a shuttered thing yeah like i i knew it was it's on something mainstream now but like i hope that they're making money from this because it's like u.s box office um gross sales was like thirty four thousand dollars or something yeah. it was like something like yeah. minuscule so like i so if you know the answer i and i don't know i would kind of assume that it was more of like a film festival type thing rather than like a box office release i think yeah, that's yeah, like it, safe it was, to assume mm-hmm. so it, it was only screened in film festivals and then it had a um 
its quote unquote wide release was its VOD release, but like it never had gotcha. any sort of traditional theatrical run. Just at a couple of film festivals and then on VOD. And it's been popping on and off streaming services. I originally saw it when the first came out. I rented it on VOD. And I know since then, um, like I have an Amazon Prime, Shutter, and HBO Max accounts. And I know it's gone in and out on Amazon Prime. Shutter just added it, which I've been telling everyone that has a Shutter account. You gotta watch Dave Made a Maze. It's gonna blow your mind. Um, but yeah, it's it's not a traditional release movie by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, and I wonder if there was some reason behind it, or that they didn't want like want it in bigger theaters for some reason, or maybe it was just because it was an indie film, and I don't actually know how people go about doing shit like that. So. I guarantee you they would have fucking loved it to be in bigger theaters if they okay. could have had the opportunity yeah. to. But but it's just an indie film. And uh, uh, I was, when I was listening to um, the uh, commentary, the director's commentary, it's actually with the director and the writer of the movie. And um, um, the director is credited as co-writing it. And he himself, though, says he only came up with the idea for the movie. The other person, um, here, I have it right here. Uh, the other person who is uh, Stephen Sears actually mm-hmm. wrote everything. Um, even Bill Watterson is credited as co-writer. That's just because he came up with the idea. But they're on the commentary for the DVD, and they talk about that they did pitches to bigger studios. And one of the things that shot them in the foot all the time was they kept being asked what the demographics were for this movie what is the audience for this movie interesting and they could not figure out a way to answer that question in any way that satisfied um bigger distributors and also when bigger distributors watch this movie apparently they were just like ah, uh, yeah no thanks you know no, and the, and that's a good point like it might be a little too weird for a mainstream audience oh, like and if you okay okay fuck that because i definitely saw swiss army man in the theater that movie came out like a year before this one did yeah that that also has petulant manchild vibes too yeah it's, so it's it like also has daniel fucking radcliffe in it There's i forgot about the radcliffe that's uh, the you, difference yeah, the rad two factor. things you don't forget about dre and daniel radcliffe <laughs> fuck i forgot yeah, i forgot Danny but, but oh god we uh, hey listen to our daniel radcliffe series i have um but uh uh but that had daniel radcliffe and in fact i've heard daniel radcliffe speak about that part of the reason he chooses some of his projects is because him being attached to it will get a bigger release and he's a gigantic genre fan he's like a super huge yeah. nerd about like awesome shit and yeah. I, I love daniel radcliffe he's great oh. um we do too yeah, and, clearly. But, but if Swiss <laughs> Army Man did not have Daniel Radcliffe, I a hundred percent fucking guarantee you, you have not seen that in theaters. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's a, a good, good point. point. And Paul Dano, honestly, Paul Dano's got some pull as well in the industry. Uh, yeah, man. But Nick Thune was so good. I can't imagine anybody else being Dave in this. Oh, he's so he's so. You know. I think all of the uh, actors are really fucking great in this movie. They're yeah. they're really hilarious. They do they all the cast has such great chemistry with each other. I feel oh, yeah. on screen, and they're so charming and comfortably funny, and like how they all interact with each other. Like I really buy all these ro- roles that this is a very close group of fr- friends. <laughs> 
which tying back to something we said earlier the death. is why yeah the death you know, like doesn't fully narratively work and you gotta view yeah. it as a more symbolic thing not mm-hmm. nearly as traumatic as it should be no. uh his no. uh, his best friend is it gordon Gordon, um, yeah. He is so just cute and endearing and like perfect was, in like I every have such scene. A crush on him. Yes. Yeah. He was like yes. the, like he's like the perfect supportive best friend. Like he's like mm-hmm. the yes man and he knows exactly what to say. Like like just to cheer everybody up and keep the morale up. Like I I I really enjoyed him. Yeah. And to tie back to something earlier uh Dasha, you brought up House of Leaves. And I was specifically curious, and uh, I have researched every single way I possibly can figure out how to. Nobody involved with the cast or crew has ever mentioned House of Leaves. And I find that so odd because this movie is almost the exact same plot as House of Leaves. Yeah, I mean, House of Leaves is definitely darker. Like, oh, I know, but if you just look at the... Uh, so both things feature people in their home that leads that there's an entryway that leads to a maze labyrinth that people get lost in that's bigger on the inside than on the outside and they're hunted by a minotaur in both totally um i mean it's it's they'd go in dramatically different directions but i when i first saw this movie my first time watching it was like, oh shit, this is House of Leaps. Totally. And and yet no one involved with this movie has ever mentioned that. And uh, I find it hard to believe they're not familiar. Like, at I least think- one of their friends has it brought up to them. I'm like, hey, have you guys ever heard of House of Leaps? Because your movie reminded me of that. No, they, they have to have, like, and they have to be aware of its existence. Like, this might be like a new subgenre of like film and literature where it's like the maze of your own making but like when it's in that like such literal verbatim like there like i think you really have to do it right for it to resonate and i think that if you think about like labyrinth movies or like maze movies we could probably think of a few more if we tried um but like um and remind me um you guys like uh in house of leaves because it's been a while since i read it isn't his maze kind of like due to his grief over like him? Like, like he starts to obsess with it and then his family eventually like abandons him and he, uh, you know, dives into it and realizes it's like his own self-consciousness, like his own self-conscious, like closing in on him kind of. Well, in house of leaves and there's a variety of different interpretations, but what I've always argued happens in the book of how the people are getting lost in the maze is that the maze is just a reflection of what you are looking, what you are expecting and looking for when you go into it. So one of the characters is kind of like, as you said, like going through grief, like looking for answers. So when they open the door, they're greeted with this labyrinth, this maze, which is what they get lost lost in, which is what most of the book is about. And we see another character who's expecting nothing and just opens the door and it's just a hallway with a dead end. And the characters, while they're searching for the exit, just keep getting lost because they're searching for something. And so the maze keeps giving them things. And there's, if I recall correctly, there's actually a character that gets out of the maze and the way they get out of it is they give up and stop looking and then they are able to leave the maze. So it's all a projection of whoever, whatever someone's looking for when they go in. 
Totally. Yeah. So, so really similar premise, but definitely mm-hmm. dif- different outcome and, you very know, very different outcome and, very di- and execution. Very, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Well, like very different presentation, very yeah. different tone, but it's like, it's, it's like, I, I, I suspect somebody involved with it at some point had to have been, had to have like read House of Leaves or at least had the plot summary given to him. Cause I'm like, there's a lot of crossover in these ideas. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, it could just be a cool coincidence if, like, the the one main writer had just never that. read it. I would buy that if it wasn't for the fact there was a decade in between the two things. And uh, according to the uh, creators of Dave Made a Maze, from initial conception, writing the script to final movie being screened, it was a six year period. And I find it hard to believe that over all that time period while they were working on it, there wasn't at least one person they told their idea to and was like, oh, yeah, like House of Leaves. It's not like House of Leaves is an obscure book. It is a, and if you're remotely into like genre fiction, it is like one of the more famous modern books. I find Mm -hmm. it very hard to believe that they would not be in some way aware of house of leaves you gotta ask them man you you know these guys you, or you you got the thank you email from them right you gotta, <laughs> yes, send, you gotta send it yeah. back well, just reply I mean, back be like I mean, hey house of leaves i mean if they're just ripping off the idea and doing their own spin on that that's fucking awesome you're talking to the guy who wrote shatner quake like i'm not gonna criticize anyone for taking anyone else's ideas and putting their own spins on it we like, said it on this podcast before and i will say it again until the day i fucking die everything is derivative yes exactly i always make that same argument that there's no such thing as a new original idea what is new original is your own spin you can put on it your own perspective you can put on it and that's what originality actually is is what you can offer that no one else can and i think this movie succeeds with that in spades like like if it just Mm -hmm. if it just took the premise of house of leaves and it's like even if they sat down originally like house of leaves is cool uh let's do our own version of it and it's like fuck yeah uh like i am totally down for it yeah so we got about 10 minutes um so if we have any final thoughts i uh i would ask you guys what your most extra thing in the movie is i mean i guess we have time to do that this whole movie is so extra we could do that real quick if we wanted i looked i looked for one star on google reviews as i do for my segment uh, you know one star google reviews um i looked on google for one star reviews of this movie there were none there were not any i believe there were only five star reviews on google reviews God damn, uh, that is a pod first. I yeah, I, I yeah, never yeah. unheard of. I, I I could read you one off IMDb. They're all pretty. I don't know. That's just people that didn't like the movie. But yeah, like I don't, I don't, I don't think it's worth the time right oh, now. Oh my, oh my, oh my! You were then only looking at audience reviews of, of, of reviews from where anyone can write anything. Yeah, yeah. really. I know the critics because yeah. I know that you do uh, the re- from listening to the episodes you do reviews uh looking for low reviews for the movie so i was curious and i looked it up and everywhere where audience can write reviews audiences overwhelmingly love this movie totally critics fucking hate this movie (laughs) that reads yeah that's why they're critics fucking haters roger ebert's website which is still going since you know he died Mm -hmm. which if you search for they've made a maze reviews is like second or third result 
Uh, Glenn Kenny gave it one and a half stars. <laughs> All right. Wow. And I read it. It's a very long review. I don't want to read it out loud. It's, it's a surprisingly mm-hmm. long review. Um, essentially, when I was reading through all the critics' reviews, this is really interesting. They all hate it because to them, the movie didn't make sense. All the critical reviews that give it really <laughs> low ratings is all about that its in- internal narrative doesn't make sense. Where oh. did the Minotaur come from? How does the maze keep building outside <laughs> of the structure and incorporate the living room? Um, why, when people are killed, is do we not see blood? We see like yarn. All the critics are oh the God. movie doesn't make sense. All the audience reviews are being like, this movie fucking kicks ass. It's brilliant. It's so much fun. It's so clever. That is so perfect. What what a perfect way to like burn like roast yourself essentially as a writer <laughs> that you're not creative enough to get the movie that is about the creative process. Isn't that funny? Oh isn't, my isn't, god! Isn't that hilarious? Oh, it's kind of it's kind of like showing some people's cards and they don't even realize that they're doing it. It's oh, yeah. like, oh, you think you understand the artistic medium? You just kind of <laughs> revealed yourself that you don't know what it's like to be a creator you're holding them backwards in poker <laughs> just yeah um well i could do with tyler's tidbits um uh jeff actually covered one which was that um sears actually had a script already written and then um he and watterson started working together and the the idea for the movie in its actual state where it was released was from a childhood thing that had happened to Bill Watterson where he built a, a like a, a fort and his mom thought he got lost in it so his mom like destroyed the fort like Billy where are you it was um, literally in his bedroom so it was yeah. a, it was a fort in his bedroom and his mom couldn't find him and he wasn't home and she didn't she started see to a, panic a yeah note. she didn't see a note that he had left for her and she started panic and tore apart this fort that he had in his bedroom thinking he had somehow quote unquote got lost it. and then she yeah. realized later about how absurd that was but right. you know parents brains and all that shit yeah uh so my only one is uh this is not bill watterson of calvin calvin and hobbs fame <laughs> they have the ex- the same name exact name but I this love bill that. watterson is about 40 years younger than kenyan alum Bill Watterson. I was too. so fucking, it was bugging me so bad. Like, where do I yeah. know this name from? Where do I know this name from? I looked it up. I had to immediately like, wait, because it would make sense to me if Bill Watterson wrote this. You know, like, like Calvin and Hobbes. You could kind of see Watterson. that. The, you know? give, give like also like, uh, the, talk about like the real life Bill Watterson. What really annoys me is this is his only movie. This was his first movie and so far his only movie and I was um, um, listening to some interviews with him and research. And uh, over the years, he's talked in interviews about uh, doing other movies and being in talks. None of them obviously materialized. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most directing he's done since this is he did three music videos for bands I've never heard of. But that doesn't really mean anything. They actually might be some pretty major bands. I, I don't really know a lot of musical genres. My favorite bands, um, as Dash can attest to, is bands that no one except for us has heard of. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's done a couple episodes of a children's like CGI animated TV show. And that's like it for his directing career, which makes me so sad because I so want to see like what this guy could do next and like what his writing partner could do next. Like, yeah, holy totally. Shit. I think hopefully uh, post pandemic, he will get more chances, you know, totally. Uh, and I, I think that's probably I think that's a good place to leave it. Like, let's we uh, see more. Yeah. Um. Jeff, it was great having you on the show. We should definitely do this yes. again sometime. Thank you so um, much for we, having me on. I'd be happy to be back anytime to talk about any other crazy fucking thing. Sweet. Yeah. And like, oh, yeah. I, we could talk about this movie for so long. So I, oh, so I do. Oh, I want to keep to, it to reference to reference one of the episodes I listened. Uh, uh, we should do like the Human Centipede trilogy. Tyler, I'm sure you'd be down oh. for that. I am actually not super into gore um, as it stands. First movie is a goreless mad scientist movie. Everything you think the human centipede is, is actually human centipede two, which is oh. one of my all time favorite movies. All right. Well, but we'll- here's the thing. Here's the thing. I watch a lot of things that I wouldn't usually watch for the pod. So I'm down. Let's we'll do figure it. this out. Uh, we'll figure yeah. this out off mic. Uh, Jeff, you want to plug anything real quick? Tell yes, people where to yes. find you. Yes, yes. Um, anyone listening to this, I assume you're a smart person. You can fi- find me by using the normal internet ways. My name is Jeff Burke, J-E-F-F-B-R-K, no E on the end. And if you want to listen to my uh, thoughts about other crazy movies, I co-host a weekly podcast called Make Your Own Damn Podcast with Lucas Mangum, where we go over uh, the weird, wacky, and fucked up world of trauma movies. If you want to know about shit <laughs> like Surf Nazis Must Die, Blood Sucking Freaks, Poultry Geist, and when the remake comes out, we're going to get around to doing it, The Toxic Avenger. Check out Make Your Own Damn Podcast. It's, yeah, it's cool. I, uh, I'm pretty sure I admit to several federal crimes in some of our <laughs> recordings, and that is not a joke. Oh, yeah. I can't wait, can't wait to listen to more of that. Um, all right. Well, thanks again. All right, Tyler, let's let's get out of here. Let's go. I gotta I gotta I gotta pack. <laughs> I'm literally <laughs> moving. Since watching this movie, I was like, oh, No, don't throw them away. Uh all right, yeah, that was Dave Made a Maze. If you haven't seen this movie, it's it's worth watching, you know. Like I think Tyler, I think you're you're you know your critique is is totally valid. I totally get it. Like, uh, I know. but it, yeah, I think this it's a unique movie, right? That's worth no, a watch. I, I agree. Please go watch it. It's so stunning. If you enjoy our show, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and make sure to tell your friends. You can email us at movietimeextra at gmail.com to tell us what you think is extra, suggest us a movie, or tell us what you want to hear us shoot the shit about. Just do that and, you know, like, you know, we'll talk. We will talk about other stuff. I'm, yeah. I'm rare to give a leg on that, but we'll do it. Come on. All right. Our uh, banging theme song is, of course, by DJ Cutman. Check him out. As always, we fucking love you. Cutman, you're the man. Until next time, uh, this is Movie Time Extra. Stay tasty, folks. Bye-bye. Bye.